Hello, everybody, and welcome back to OMB Reviews. I am the critic who is a cynic. How is everyone doing this evening? Happy and blessed Tuesday to everyone out there, and welcome to episode 429 of the Welcome to Asgard podcast, where tonight, oh boy, the Super Mario Brothers film has easily passed $700 million as of today. The numbers.com is reporting it to be just below $700 million. Deadline was reporting it, but international numbers don't always update during the week. And so it is very much thought that with the Monday numbers internationally, even though we don't have those official numbers yet, that the film will have easily crossed $700 million so far. But we're going to talk mostly today about how the box office projections have been absolutely abysmal. And I got to give a shout out to Valiant Renegade, fellow box office enthusiast, Valiant Renegade, subscribe to his channel. And he was the one actually on Saturday in one of his videos pointing out this, this fact that their projections were so off. And what's amazing is that every single day when they updated their projections, talking here about deadline, but really the industry as a whole, it was clear that they had no idea how to peg Super Mario Brothers movie. So, we're going to talk about that. We're going to go over the the plethora of information that is, of course, uh, available. And we're going to talk about what I think this means for the Super Mario Brothers movie as a complete international release, as it continues to get released in other countries, including a expectedly high release in Japan. Now, I do still hold... To what I've said previously, that I don't think it's going to be as big as people are saying in Japan. However, I will also grant the caveat that we've never had a movie like this before. And so, therefore, this could easily, especially based off what we're seeing with the projections being completely off in almost every single market, we could actually end up seeing a very similar result in places like Japan and also South Korea. Let's just say I'm becoming uh, much more open to the idea of the film being a massive hit in those countries. Never that, not that I thought that the film wasn't going to do well in those countries, but I definitely didn't think they were going to be as high as they could end up being. And so we're going to talk about what numbers I'm still looking at, why it is that I'm still holding on to thinking that it may not be nearly as big in those countries as some people are suggesting. Suggesting, again, still $200 million is what I had projected is going to come from both of those countries combined. That's still a lot of money. So even if it does end up being more than that, we're talking about the difference between maybe $1.2 to $1.5 billion when everything is said and done for this movie. And those are just early estimates. And if those estimates are going to be based off of what we're seeing as far as the box office coverage of this, buckle up your seatbelts, ladies and gentlemen. Because this movie is on a wild run, and there is no competition for it whatsoever. So we'll we'll talk about that. Also, uh, last night I was able to see the film Nefarious, uh, based off of, inspired by the novel by Steve Dace, a movie that people like Fetigator, shout out to Fetigator, I gave him a shout out in my review, and others have been suggesting for me to watch for a long time. 
And I had doubts, I had questions, and I really genuinely wasn't interested in it. Well, I finally saw it last night, and holy crap, was I mistaken about all the preconceptions I had for that film. So I'll give my thoughts uh, as well, talk about the film a little bit, talk about why I enjoyed the film, and why I think everyone, especially stateside, seeing that right now it's only available stateside, that if it's playing in a theater near you, even if it's at an odd time, if you have the ability to make it work, to please go ahead and to do so. But... With all that being said, make sure to smash that like button, lap that fire button if you're watching over on Odyssey, and smash the rumble button as well. Let's go ahead and say hello to the people in the chat. We got Amazing Baking Soda. What is going on? Welcome. Orange Hour Views, who is my main mod. Thank you very much for being here. Good sir. Thanks for laying down the law. Yeah, if you have a comment or question, make sure you put at Odin at the very beginning of your comment, at Odin. It lets me know you're trying to get my attention no matter what platform you are watching on. Also, please do keep in mind that I, tall, I tend to fall about 20, 30 minutes behind the chat as I try to read as many comments as I can, both those who have tagged me and also members' comments. That's one of the perks of being a member is that one does not have to do so. Kaylee Chow, what is going on? Thank you for being here. And yes, make sure not to spam the chat. There's no need. There's no need to spam the chat. I, again, keep, keep track of it. And I've got the best mods still in the business. Obviously, Tina and Steph were the mods on the channel for a very long time. Both had to move on for different reasons. Still praying, of course, for Tina B, who has had some health issues. Uh, so still praying for her recovery. And uh, appreciate Orange Hair Reviews and Laura, the Mono Major General story, for, for stepping up. Uh, thank y'all. Let's see. Keely Chow says, Hail Odin, how are you, Thor and Freya doing? I'm sorry that you're going to have to eat pineapple pizza. Yeah, again, I, I, I mentioned this in this past weekend's box office breakdown that it's essentially inevitability at this point in time uh, that, that it's going to hit a billion dollars. And again, we're talking now about how much beyond a billion dollars does this film get? You know, my charting has it between 1.1 and 1.3 billion, but based off of how well this movie is doing, based off of the fact that it is, uh, you know, defeating pretty much every single projection uh and pretty much every single uh every single box office prognosticators projections beating the entire box office projection market as i have in the title of the video the fact that it's doing that makes me think and suspect that we're going to see this film continue to do that because again it has no mainstream competition up until the beginning of may with the release of guards of the galaxy volume 3 and based on the projections that we're seeing for that film oh boy not looking good for Marvel. Not looking good for Disney. And so, obviously at that point, this film would have been out for roughly a month. So I still think Guardians is going to come in at number one that weekend. But Mario Brothers is still going to be hanging around. Domestically. Internationally. It's going to be able to add itself, or continue to add it to its overall totals in so many different countries. And the numbers that we're seeing right now, it's, again, there were some people who were still holding on who said, you know, maybe Odin, maybe Odin, you'll, 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 you'll win. No. As I said, as of this past weekend, I was able to definitively say this movie's going to make well over a billion dollars. And now it's, it's getting even to the point where it's, it's going to happen a lot quicker than I had suspected. Uh, because the film doesn't open up into Japan or South Korea, I believe, in both countries until the end of April. 
So we still got this weekend going into next week. And then next week is going to be when it opens there. And that's when you're going to start to see, I think, uh, definitely a massive surge in its international box office sales. The question that a lot of us have, including myself, is how much is it actually going to be? Anyway, GMucket76, hail to you. Goyard Jaguar, what's going on? JS Pena, hail to you. Mr. Roy, hello, good sir. Thank you for being here. The Common Nerd in the chat, Great Wuda, what is going on? Alex McCarthy, howdy, Odin, how's it going? How's Thor getting close to Fast 10? And I think you're one of the few people that actually cares about Fast 10. Now, I say that hyperbolically. There's going to be a crap ton of people that go to see Fast 10. I don't quite understand it. I love Fast 1 through 6. And then after 6, it just goes down a massive turd hole. Is the best way to describe it. It's awful. Uh, <laughs> theological genius. I wouldn't say that much. Uh, Laura, the Mono Major General. What's going on? Welcome back to the chats. Jay Price. Hanging out as well. Thank you very much for tagging again. Put at Odin at the very beginning of your comment. At Odin. Thank you all again for joining me on this beautiful Tuesday. Blessed Easter, everybody. Bruce says, hello to all. Hello to you. Big Worm, who is a member, says, hail. Saw Super Mario Brothers. I and my sons loved it. It's definitely not a movie for people who don't play the games. As someone who's played all of the mainline games, it was absolutely amazing. And, and that's why I mentioned this in my review. And what's pretty amazing is there's actually a really great review that Critical Drinker just put out on the film. And even though he definitely liked the film a lot more than I did, he does still admit that the only people he really sees that can enjoy this movie are hardcore fans and kids and families. And that's exactly what I said in my review. <laughs> I mean, pe people I think may have gone after me uh, for that assessment because I didn't end up liking the movie. Had I liked the movie, maybe people would have not have, you know, been merely as mad at that. But I think it is still true. And I think the box office is very much showing that, right? Because we've seen that in a lot of other films where hardcore audience, right? Hardcore fans account for a huge portion of sales, whether that be movie ticket sales, multiple showings, uh, merchandising, right? Hardcore fans buy that stuff. Kids, kids like kids things. And this film absolutely does appeal to kids. But, and again, this is a generalization. This is not saying this is in every single case. I don't think this film, though, is going to have the same type of mass appeal if it doesn't in the future try to adapt its story to be a little, again, to, to have a better story. And I've mentioned this previously, too. I think that anyone who says, it's a Mario film, how can you, you know, what can you expect? It's like, bro, even Critical Drinker, even Critical Drinker used the same example that I've used countless times, which is, okay, then explain Up. Family movie, kids movie, animated film, brilliant story. First five to ten minutes alone is some of the best writing that we've seen in an animated film uh, as far as, like, Western animated films are concerned. Not going into animes, of course, because I don't think it's a fair comparison. But I think it's still a, a fair thing to say. Now, I say that, still, the people that it's appealing to are people who spend a lot of money. And this film is making a crap ton of money. Let's see. Tina Guzman, what is going on? Welcome back. Kimberly G says, howdy, y'all. What's going on, Kimberly G? Thank you very much for being here. Appreciate it. Uh, let's see, Christoph, the Polish, the Polish geek, what's going on? Texas, Red, what's going on? Welcome back, TX. I assume that means Texas, not TX. Mike Jackson tagged and said, has Thor given you any tips on eating that crud? Uh, no, and it's so funny because he's only ever had the pineapple pizza one time. And it was by sheer coincidence that he was eating pizza, he had pineapple in his fruit cup, and he decided to combine them together. But here's the other thing too. And it's what's so funny is that 
I heard that Gary uh, mentioned me on 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 a stream today, and had basically made you know made a joke about that. And I think it's just funny because saying that that he has really good taste. It's like, well, no, this is a toddler, and this same toddler is the same one who will put yogurt on top of chicken nuggets and a myriad of other combinations. So if if <laughs> If he's the one that you're going to say, oh, you got good taste. Oh, yeah, the toddler who puts together pretty much everything he ever eats. Yes. He is the arbiter of truth. <laughs> Let's see. Gmug is 86 says, sorry if you covered this already, but thoughts on Nick Cage playing Dracula in Renfield. I haven't, I haven't covered it yet because I haven't seen the film. And based off of what I've been hearing about it, I don't know if I really want to see it. Um, I want to see Nicolas Cage playing Dracula. I hear he's great, but I hear the film is not, which makes me sad. Sean Ferris says, I hope that you received that, Jonathan. I did receive them. Thank you very much. I appreciate them. I will try to uh, watch them if I have a chance to. Um, but I really do appreciate you sending them out, man. Thank you. Great Wuda says, are you going to watch Return of the Jedi on April 28th? I'm probably not. Uh, not that I have anything against uh, when films come back in theaters. I just, I tend to not have, I mean, whenever they come out, they tend to be fathom events, which are not covered by... AMC A-list, I don't think they're covered by MoviePass either. And so, I, especially when it comes to Star Wars, have seen those films now so many times because Baby Thor loves the movies. It's not that I don't love them any less, it's just that, yeah. <laughs> it's not on my, like, to-do list. It's not like, I, it's, it's not like it's been a year since I've seen them. It's like, yeah, it's just been, like, a week since I've seen all of them multiple times. Anyway, Orange Hat Review says, Odin, next time, make the bet the movie will make a billion in a certain time frame. It lends odds in your favor. Oh, yeah, for sure, Orange Hat, for sure. I don't think he would have taken that bet, though, right? Because he had been saying, generically, the film would make a billion dollars. Um, you know, had he been saying it would make a billion dollars in two weeks, again, I, I don't think he would ever have actually said that. So, yes, obviously, in hindsight, hindsight it being 2020, that obviously would have been... Uh, that would have been absolutely a much better situation for me. But, yeah, it is what it is. Uh, Gary Banjo said, it's Worthington. Time to say, UK here, hail and bless. Hey, bless to you. Thanks for being here. Let's see. Tech says, TX says, any thoughts on Mario being this far ahead of Frozen 2 when you compare the domestic? I don't see this beating its international numbers, though. Well, that's going to be the interesting thing, dude. And since you brought it up, we'll go ahead and uh, talk about What's going on with the box office for the Super Mario Brothers movie? Because here's the thing, all right? You look at these numbers and you think, okay, this is pretty impressive, especially after only a couple of weeks. But you're also like, okay, how much money is this film going to actually make? So as you can see right now, it's roughly at $700 million, all right? But here's what the amazing thing is. This is after they had projected the film to be about $30 million less than what it ended up being. Yes. 30 plus million dollars difference between what they were projecting and what it actually ended up making. Meaning, they have no idea how to track for this movie. In order to give a comparison, right? Because I, I know that uh, TX had asked about the comparison between this and Frozen 2. Well, I got those numbers for this and several other films. All adjusted for inflation. And again, take it with a grain of salt because the adjusted for inflation calculator on the numbers last time I checked was not fully accurate. It's like a few cycles behind, it seems. But that all being said, if you look to the opening weekend, now remember, the Super Mario Brothers film did have an extra two days advantage 
on all of these films. I believe all of them, most of them. I've added other films that I typically didn't have in the comparison chart beforehand, but still pretty amazing that Despicable Me 2 is actually not too far off in that in that situation, especially with those extra two days. Now again, Despicable Me 2 may have had an extra time. Let's see when that film released. July 3rd was its release of 2013. So still, summer release. So I'll go ahead and say that's a fair that's a fair shake. Summer release and an extra extended release during during the week. But anyway, the film doing incredibly well. Let's go ahead and see, though, where it currently is. So right now, the Super Mario Brothers film domestically is at $358 million. That easily beats out all of these other films. This one right here, the $333 million, this is Frozen 2. So yeah, this film is currently $20 million ahead of Frozen 2. Now, do keep this in mind, right? This did have an extra couple of days on Frozen 2's release. But even when you add two days, guess what? 342 is still less than 358. Now, if you adjust these for a proper rate of inflation, you might end up seeing this number pretty closer. But if you're looking seeing what this film is doing in its weekend, right, 22 million versus 14. Uh, rather, sorry, let me get the right ones. So 22 versus 38. All right, so Frozen 2 had a pretty good second Friday. But then you look at the second Saturday, 36 to 39. Then you get to the Sunday, especially, 22 versus 30. So what that tells me, the stronger Saturday and Sunday numbers, is that this movie is doing, Super Mario Brothers, is doing significantly better with families. It helps that the film is not nearly as bad as Frozen 2. Again, I don't like either film, but I will say this much, I would much rather watch Super Mario Brothers film a thousand times than watch Frozen 2 even one more time. Because the story is just not good. The film itself is just not good. And even though I have my issues with Super Mario Brothers film... Again, I got news for you. This film doing incredibly well. But what's even more impressive about all of this, and this is the reason why I'm starting to definitely have some, some doubts about my own analysis of the Japanese market and the South Korean market. And that is that this movie is not behaving as any film should be behaving. Basically, this film is beating and defeating pretty much every single historical standard that one can think of. And one of the best proofs of this is by looking at what Deadline did. So I've actually used the Wayback Machine to pull up old copies of the same article from this just, just this past weekend. And the same thing happened, by the way, in the previous weekend, right? In the opening weekend when they underprojected. So let's go ahead and see. This was the original projection. All right. This was April 15th at 8.53 a.m. They were projecting, saying it would make... $659 million. So this is the number. I believe this was, the by the time I recorded my box office preview, this was, I believe, the number that was being reported. So $659 million is what was originally being projected, all right? So that was April 15th, right? That was April 15th. So that was on Saturday. That was early on Saturday. You go ahead and pull this up early Sunday. They had adjusted it to $678 million, so in the span of about, what, 24 hours or so, they had decided to add about $20 million to their projection. That was early Sunday. You get to the actuals, look where it is now. $693 million. $693 million. So you go from 659 to 693 What that shows is that these projections 
are behaving so much better that they're not even following the typical historical standard. That is incredibly impressive. Also, it's amazing how Deadline, and I'll continue to call Deadline out on this, is once again lying, saying John Wick 4 reaches franchise best up to $350 million. Yeah, when you don't adjust for inflation, you plebs, nance, over at Deadline. I spit at you, patui. But getting back to the subject, and that is Super Super Mario Brothers film. This film is doing gangbusters right now. Doing gangbusters at the box office. And I think this right here, right, Based off of the tracking they were seeing, 6.59 on Saturday morning. By Sunday morning, they were at 6.78. By Monday, they had to adjust back up to $693 million. So they were off by well over $30 million. You normally see some adjustments, right? And, and mass, the vast majority of the time, they are very sensible, right? So let's say a movie opens to $100 million is the projected number that we get on Sunday. So the number that you see right here, the 678, you will typically see that number maybe fluctuate maybe 5, 10 million tops. 30 plus million, whew, you don't see that. You do not see that. And so it's because of this that I'm starting to have doubts about what I've been looking into, which is the Japanese box office, all right? Because here's the thing. Interestingly enough, in the top worldwide box office, they're projecting right now that Super Mario Brothers is actually at 716. I don't know where this number is coming from, but it wouldn't surprise me if you took the estimated international numbers, which again, we won't have until this upcoming weekend, most likely, uh, that this is probably where the film is right now. So you're looking at this movie, probably getting to 800 million by the end of this weekend, maybe $850 million. And then I could totally see the film getting to a billion when it opens the next week, right? Even without Korea, even without Japan. It's amazing, though. It's truly phenomenal to see this. But I'm still holding on to a couple of facts. And the fact is, when it comes to films that were produced by primarily a Western company, And in this case, this is a universal film, an Illumination film. Nintendo is a producer, though. And that, I think, is something that is going to be interesting to watch, right? We haven't seen this. Nintendo has not really been involved in the movie business. And I can understand why, especially when you look to the last Mario Brothers film. Which, it's hard to say, is even a Mario Brothers film. However... What's interesting here, and obviously take these numbers with a grain of salt because this is actually a new chart that they're trying out. So this is the Japan Movie Index. So movies produced by Japan. All right. It says the share is a percentage based on total worldwide box office of the movies produced by production companies in this country relative to the combined worldwide box office of all the movies enlisted. Please note that movies that are co-produced by different countries count for the share of each country and the production country information in our database is incomplete. So, again, Super Mario Brothers film, you're looking at, what, 12.7% share? And again, I, it looks like this is a new chart for them, so I don't know exactly what they're trying to refer to here. But this is as a country, all right? But look at some other films that have been produced by a Japanese production company in conjunction with a Western one. Sonic the Hedgehog 2. Right, Sonic the Hedgehog 2, it, it, it did okay, right? It did fine. Now, it's interesting that this is saying the film made 1.1% billion dollars 
because <laughs> it's like that that definitely never got to a billion dollars so as, it, as they as they mentioned right this this film or rather this chart is incomplete but it's still interesting right because this film didn't do all that much money right and saw the hedgehog 2 right sega obviously not nintendo but sonic is a huge character now i, I can already hear people saying it's not as big as, as mario and hey based on the numbers you might actually be right Here's the issue, though. We have not seen this happen. We have not actually had a film from Nintendo like this doing as well as it is. And so this is going to be a standard setting film. Because even though I can look at all the data and say, all right, here are the films that were produced by Japanese countries only. Here are the here are the movies that were produced by both Japanese and Western. And you'll notice the ones that were produced by both not nearly as as well performing as the ones solely produced in Japan. And I do think that there is still something to that. But we also haven't ever had a film like Mario before. As I said, from 659 worldwide to 693, every single projection they had completely and utterly flawed. So, I'm looking at these numbers the comparisons, I'm looking at to the Japanese numbers. I can go back to the Box Office Pro numbers. I can go back to all of the different metrics historically about what films have performed well in Japan. And I still think that that data, right as of right now, that data, I think, is still the most valuable data that we have. Because it's the only data that we have. But I do think, and I'm growing into this suspicion every single day, that Super Mario Brothers film is going to set a new standard. And if they're able especially to create better films with better stories when they adapt their other games, they're going to own the industry for the next several years. All we can do is hope and pray that Universal, working with Nintendo, stays a good relationship, that Nintendo still keeps control over creative input. They don't go woke like Disney has to such an immense degree, pushing for politics even in their films, more so than telling good stories. If they can instead go the opposite direction and instead say, okay, Mario, this was our start. Now let's start to talk about, what, Metroid Prime? Let's start to talk about, what, Legend of Zelda? Let's start to talk about uh, a myriad of other films. Kirby could be huge too, right? But they got to, they gotta, if they're going to want to hold on to this, start to improve their storytelling. Because, yes, they can hold on to the hardcore fans. Yes, they can continue to spend very little money in comparison to almost anything else. The $100 million is still insane to me. But it's pretty amazing. It is pretty amazing to see. Anyway, let's go ahead and head back into the chat to see what y'all got to say. We got It's Not Rex. What's going on? Welcome. Nearside Cyclops. Welcome back to the chat. Um, not seeing anyone on Rumble or Odyssey. Hopefully those streams are working. Uh, I have those set up. I set everything up earlier, so they should be coming through. But uh, Kinky and Rumshki and Abomination are not hanging out over there, at least according to the chats that I'm seeing. But for those hanging out on YouTube, thank y'all for being here. Appreciate that. Laura, love you being in the chat. Dr. Martin Van Nostrand says, Curious on the internet is how much film corporations make. Not being negative, I just wonder why. I grew up seeing Star Wars and indie 
uh, original trilogies and never followed uh, and never followed box office crash. How much film corporations make? Well, typically speaking, the split between studios and so between the studios and between the theaters is about 60-40, roughly. Um, so when everything is said and done, uh, the studios typically will walk away from with about 60% of the film, uh, of the entire box office that was made, and then the, 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 uh, the theaters will have walked away with about 40%, roughly. And obviously, that, that's an oversimplification. If you're going by individual countries, and then you're going by, again, there's different metrics for even the domestic market, because... There's been a lot of contracts that have changed over time since COVID. Valiant Renegade has done a great job covering this. I still go by standards, though, based off of what I know to be true from the conversation, the first-hand conversation I had with an actual theater owner who was able to tell me how much money was being made by the company for each ticket sold. And that's where my numbers come from. That's where my standards come from. Because typically in the first couple of weeks, studios are getting about 90% of the box office receipts. And then after the first couple of weeks, then you start to see much more evenly distributed amounts. And so if you have a very successful movie, that becomes very good for the theaters over time. Theaters, of course, make the vast majority of their money from the uh, popcorn and drink sales. The reason why it costs so much, by the way, for popcorn and drinks is because that's where they make their profits. They don't make their profits off movie tickets. They make their profits off of the concession stand, especially in the first two weeks of release. But even with all that being said, yeah, the box office uh, crash that we've seen is really because of a slowly progressing because it really has been slow right we're talking about probably the span of what the last 20 30 years so that's still a long time of just films getting worse and worse and worse over time uh fedigator what's going on dude the legend himself uh christoph hey christus resurrexit or rather christus surrexit christus resurrex absolutely he's risen indeed Cthulhu. Time to say, I think Nintendo will only look at Mario as a novel side project. It's a fraction of game profits, and they only get a fraction of a billion in ticket sales. Um, yeah, that's what's going to be interesting to me as well, right? And that's why I hope the numbers eventually does more with this chart, because I would love to see if they could find out what the share of the production cost is between, uh, between films. Because, and again, this is something that could be unique in a certain respect to the Mario film versus other films, right? It's produced by Universal Nintendo Illumination, all right? So Universal Illumination, it seems to me, and I'll have to try to see if I can find the numbers to indicate what it actually is, that Universal Illumination have a huge portion of this as far as production costs are concerned. But obviously Nintendo did have a say, right? The rumors were that the original story was going to push even further the Peach Girl Boss narrative and, and go even just to a, to an excessive degree with it. And apparently Nintendo came in and said, whoa, no, 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 you can't do that. So whether that's true or not, who's to say? But it definitely seems like, okay, clearly they have enough control to be able to impact the story. The question, though, is who who's spending the vast majority of the film or vast majority of the money on this film? Um, and again, that, that information might be out there. I just have not seen it myself. So for instance, uh, the news had come out when we got the Spider-Man film, right? That both Sony and Disney were sharing profits there. However, the split is about 75-25. Sony puts up 75% of the budget. Disney puts up 25% of the budget. And then box office receipts, they get, of the profits they make, 75% goes to Sony, 25% goes to Disney. I don't know what kind of deal, because obviously Universal Illumination are you know, part of the same, uh, same general you know, giant umbrella. So it'll be interesting to see 
whether it's like a 50-50 split. I don't think it would be that, though. It sound, it, it, I don't know. It, just, it feels like it would be more of like a 75-25, similar to Sony and, and Marvel. But clearly, it's enough for them to have an influence on the creative elements of the story. So, again, interesting, interesting stuff going on. Uh, but here's the other thing, too, right? If the film, and that right, that right now at this point, this film is, again, barreling towards, at minimum, 1.3 to 1.1 uh, 1. 1 to 1.3. And I think, especially if this kind of overproduction continues, then we're starting to talk 1.5 north of 1.5 billion. If, if people end up being correct about Japan and, and South Korea, and again, right now, all it is is, is emotion and feeling. Right? You can definitely look at the data of saying, okay, well, these countries love these specific characters, but you can't make a one-to-one -one comparison between the characters in different mediums. There's never that one-to-one -one crossover. right? So that's why this is going to be essentially the standard bearer. This is going to be the standard maker for Nintendo releases. right? And so this is going to be the film that we go back to when we say, okay, when the Zelda film eventually comes out, when the Kirby movie eventually comes out, when, any of, when the sequel comes out, we're going to say, okay, how does this film compare to the first Mario Brothers film? Because we're not going to be able to compare this film. I really honestly believe. I don't think we're going to be able to compare this film to any other release. I'm doing it now because there's nothing else I can do. That, that's all I can do. Until this movie actually releases in those countries, we have no data to really work on. So some people are working on, again, I think, more flawed data, personally. Because, again, there's not that one word crossover. It doesn't mean that they're not going to be correct. kind of goes back to... Jeremy made a correct prediction, but his logic was flawed. And what do I mean by that? What I mean is that he correctly predicted the film would cross a billion dollars. And again, that's an inevitability at this point in time. But he was using game sales. The reason why that is a flawed logic is because look at any other video game adaptation. Compare the game sales to the adaptation. Now, people can come up with any excuse they want in the book. The fact remains, there's not ever been a video game film have this type of performance before. And so this, in many ways, is setting, again, a, a brand new standard. And it'll be interesting to see what the final numbers actually come out. Because here's the thing. No one knows what this film is going to make in those countries. I can make an educated guess. Other people can make guesses too. But none of us really know. Because it's never happened before. right? This, this kind of movie has never happened before. Right? A, a mixture of Nintendo Studios production with Universal, whatever that split might be, we haven't had it. Anyway, let's see. Nova Trail Studios. Time to say, do you think Trolls 3 will bomb since the age demographic it targets is way too young? I haven't seen either of the Trolls films. I, I have no desire to see them, to be perfectly honest. So um, it, it, it could. The fact that they're making a Trolls 3, I know that means that the film is clearly, uh, you know, it's it's clearly selling to, to some people, right? And I'll, I'll try and see if I can... Uh, since you asked the question and asked it very nicely. Let's see. Yeah. Oh, man, I forgot about Trolls World Tour. Yeah, that's right. Because the sequel came out during COVID era. So Tro Trolls World Tour only made $48 million, And then in home market sales, it made about $54 million. So this does not include PVOD sales. So digital sales. Um, I just I don't remember the film making a lot but hey it very well could have the fact that they're making a third one clearly indicates that they must have made something back on this one um 
Yeah, because obviously Amazon 4K, UH, you know, PVOD. So um, I remember that this was a hard time for me. I, I, I can't remember. Honestly, I can't remember if I was even covering PVOD sales. I was just so frustrated with all the things that they were doing. Um, but yeah, obviously video released by Universal. DreamWorks Animation was in charge of the uh, financing for it. So anyway. So I could definitely see Trolls, even the first one though, even when you adjust for inflation, wasn't you know a massive hit. It was definitely great compared to its budget. Made about 2.7 times its budget. Even that's actually not that high. 2.5 is typically break even. Um, which again, it's interesting. There are some people who say the standard is three times its budget to break even or higher. And yet, how then do you justify 2.5, 2.7 justifying two subsequent movies? Again, I digress, but I think it is an important thing to bring up nonetheless. Great Wuda says, if you change your mind, I think Disney is releasing it and not Fathom events. Um, I saw it being shown on other non-AMC theaters as well. Oh, I'm talking about Return of the Jedi. I figured you were talking about Return of the Jedi. Uh, and again, that might be the case, but typically those special events, even if it's not necessarily Fathom directly, any special event like that, they typically don't uh, cover. See, Sean says, in Super Mario Brothers, the writers could have had Peach be a Mary Sue when Mario was training, but she told him that the only reason she was good is because she grew up there, meaning she actually trained. Oh, yeah, for sure. No doubt about it. And that's why I'm glad that they didn't go further than what they already did. Because um, here's the thing, right? I think, I forgot what show, I think it was on Friday Night Tights, basically helped to make the distinction that there is a nuance between things that are woke and things that have certain political messaging items in them, all right? What I mean by that is that, is Peach a girl boss in the movie? Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> She's a girl boss. However, is it woke? Is it pushing a political ideology that's going to be shoved down your throat or your kids? Or, no, it doesn't. It doesn't do that at all. So to say it's woke is just, to me, comical, right? I know that, uh, I know that Tim Pool has said it's woke. It's, it's not woke. But if you're going to call out the, you know, you could call it feminist elements for sure in the presentation of Peach, but it's so tempered, right, that it's annoying enough for me to say, okay, yeah, okay, we get it. But it's also luckily not enough to me for me to say, oh, I, I will never let my kid watch this. Like, if I think back to Lightyear, if I think back to Toy Story 4, if I think back to Wreck-It Ralph 2, those are films that to me teach such terrible messages to kids, I will never let baby Thor watch those movies. Even though I didn't like Super Mario Brothers film, guess what? I would still let baby Thor watch it. Baby Thor wanted to watch it, I would let him watch it. Because there's nothing dangerous, there's nothing uh, wrong or evil in the storytelling. It's not a good story. It's not a film I would want to watch over and over again. You know, right now he's obsessed with Up. Love that film. I can watch that film all day. Because it's a good movie. Super Mario Brothers, again... If you're a hardcore fan or if you are a kid or you tend to like kids movies that don't have a lot of story to them hey okay you're gonna be happy with the movie but i digress all right let's see sahil watched john wick 4 today thought it was amazing oh it is amazing sahil right so i am not trying to tear down john wick 4 by pointing out that deadline is continuing to run with these breaking records breaking records the only one that they seem to have been correct about and even then, they've they've been they've underplayed it. Is the Super Mario Super Mario Brothers film? Almost every other film they've mentioned recently, when you actually adjust those numbers, it's it's not. Um, so yeah, three hundred fifty million dollars is great for John Wick Chapter Four, 
But that film needs to make close to $400 million if it's going to be the highest of the franchise. For realsies. Uh, there's Abomination hanging out over at Odyssey. What's going on, good sir? Harwick says, did you finish watching the Critical Drinkers Russell Crowe interview? I've not finished watching it yet. In fact, <laughs> I started another interview. I have a list of videos. I watch mostly theological videos, uh, Catholic videos um, in general. And so those typically, when a new one comes out, go at the top of my list. So that's still on there. I still need to finish it. But then I've also watched a little bit of the interview that Young Rippa has done with Sean Patrick Flannery. And that's a great interview, too. So... Ah, I see. Someone who has never been around. I always read the chat. Goyard. Always read the chat. All that I ask is that you put at Odin at the very beginning of your comment. If you want to have your comment actually highlighted and, and read. Yeah, I don't make people super chat to, to get noticed. I just make them put at Odin. <laughs> oh, how dare I? Uh, let's see, Christoph, what's going on, dude? Thanks for tagging, 722. And again, I also fall 20, 30 minutes behind in the chat as well, because I read the chat, but I digress. Christoph says, also just ordered a rosary from your site. Take your time, bro. Thank you, bro. Thank you. Yeah, I mean, uh, I don't like to think of it as orders because I don't typically, uh, you know, it, it's something where I, you know, I, I try and get to it when I can. I always, you know, the, the trickiest thing is whenever I don't have the numbers when I or rather <laughs> no, the numbers. when I don't have uh if you ask if you ask for a beaded rosary if I don't have those supplies sometimes it's take a little while to get in and then if I don't have the correct color for the knotted rosaries um but cool I'll have to check that out uh thank you let's see but yeah I give rosaries away for free Laura the Mod major general says I think Renfield is worth watching on video for the performances but skip all Aquafina stuff yeah that's what I hear is awful I hear everything with Aquafina is just terrible which, based on what I've limited knowledge I have of Aquafina, doesn't surprise me. Abomination says Odyssey is having issues. I'm sorry to hear that. I don't know why that would be the case. Everything seems to be working on my end. Looks like there were drop frames at one point, but I'll have to check. Let's see. Sahil says Detective Pikachu didn't do amazingly well in Japan. Made $27 million, which is respectable but not great. Yeah, I mean, I was... If you compare that especially to the animes that I was talking about the other day, it's not even close. Now, I know that some people have said, yeah, but it's not as big as this. It's not as big as that. And again, that very well could be true. But that does not, again, guarantee one-to-one sales in movies. The reason why comparing movies to movies is fair is because there are historical... There are historical data points that we can use to make pre-educated guesses. But what's, again, unique about this movie compared to other films is that this film is making even those historical standards difficult to track. Again, that's why we don't know what this film is actually going to do in Japan or even in South Korea. We can have a pretty good idea, but we can only know so much. And if you want to have a good idea about why, we're seeing the type of volatility in the prediction market that we're seeing. Uh, look no further than this chart right here. All right. See how it's like, okay, well over historical standards, falls into typical historical, and then all of a sudden goes well beyond the typical. As it says here, the shaded area represents the expected performance range for a film. Based on its opening weekend, 95% of films fall within the shaded area. So, again, this is using the domestic market specifically, but I hope this gives the idea across about why I use films and not movie game sale, or rather video game sales, or any of those other metrics. Again, 
those could be a better metric for this movie specifically. In general, though, they're not a good they're not a good metric because there is not a one to one crossover. Notice this: ninety five percent of the time, because again, there have been thousands upon thousands of movies with box office receipts. Vast majority of the time, the films are going to fall somewhere in this range. Again, this is based off of historical standards. It says the predictive area is based on movies from the past five years. So this is an ever-updating chart. And again, most films tend to fall in that shaded area. This movie, as you can see, look at the volatility, right? It goes above it, it goes below it, and then it goes all the way above it again, right? It's, it, it's pretty insane. It's pretty insane to see. All right, let's see. 725 in the chat. Harwick says, have you seen the trailer for Last Voyage of the Demeter? I was surprised to see it since the movie had been stuck in development hell since 2022. Uh, rather, since 2002. Yes, I just saw it before Nefarious, actually. Um, which, again, phenomenal movie. And I, I don't really have an interest in it, though. I, I, as you know, I don't like horror films like that. And especially when it comes to... Uh, it also is apparently telling you a Dracula story. I don't know. I don't really have an interest in it. So, uh, KN Kareen, welcome to the chat. <laughs> Someone's salty. So salty that they couldn't wait just a few minutes for me to get to their chat and a super chat. I'll get to your super chat in a second, bud. Thanks. Thanks for the, <laughs> thanks for the donation. Anyway, <laughs> as, oh boy. I'm not going to read that out loud. Uh, let's see. TX says, I think you're spot on with your take on Japan. Japanese tend to be productive of their IPs. I look at Ghost in the Shell as an example of that. And again, there, there again are good arguments to explain why specific films haven't done that well. Um, the Red Ronin says, your stream is repeating on Odyssey. It's weird. I can't stop it. I can't fix it. Uh, sorry, dude. I, I wish I could fix Odyssey's issues, but I, I can't. So... Um, I'm live on Rumble as well. I'm live on Twitter. I'm live on YouTube. I, I give as many options as I can, but I, I can't troubleshoot issues when it's just on one platform. Um, I wish I could, but I, I mentally can't. Uh, but when it comes to Ghost in the Shell, for instance, right, if we think about, I assume you're talking about the live action, right? That one had issues from the get-go with casting, right? Um, so we could definitely look to other reasons as to why that film didn't do well. But I think using especially the comparisons of animes and other Western animated films, I think that that gives us a better, a little bit of a better metric there. Uh, let's see. Christoph says, sorry for saying the same thing twice. No problem at all, dude. I know what you were trying to say there. Uh, let's see. It just, uh, it's just that I thought I had to include your name with the hashtag or you wouldn't see the first one. No problem at all, man. No problem at all. Yeah, normally if I see someone who is newer to the chat, uh, typically when they come in for the first time, I'm usually able to... See them and say hello. Uh, Grandmaster Yoda, what's going on, dude? Welcome back. Uh, Christoph says, actual question. What do you think of Lord of the Rings movies? They are the most beloved films ever. Oh, yeah, they're great. I love them. Uh, now, of course, the big question is, are you talking about the uh, theatrical releases or are you talking about the extended releases? I think they're both great. Uh, but, yeah, I love them and I love the extended releases. They are superior in several ways. Brightburn95 says, it seems to it seems to you that Universal has another potential franchise on their hands. With the success of Mario Brothers besides the James Bond franchise, which is in limbo for the foreseeable future. Oh, for sure. Yeah. I mean, uh, now granted, James Bond is no longer a, uh, I don't think that's any, uh, actually, no, that, that's always been MGM. And MGM is owned by Amazon. So I don't know if that's correct. But 
As far as a new franchise, oh, no, no, they for sure. <laughs> no, 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 it's not that they potentially have one. They do have a new franchise. You don't make this kind of money. And again, the film hasn't even crossed a billion yet and has already made hundreds of millions in net profit. Sahil says, true, Mario making over $100 million in Japan seems far-fetched. And again, as of right now, yes, it does. But again, that's because we are looking at the data available to us. If this movie ends up coming in well over $100 million in Japan, will I be surprised? Yes and no, right? Yes, in that it's never happened with the film, right? There's no other film that we can use as a comparison because there's never been a film like this in several degrees. But also, um, I will be surprised because, again, based off of those historical standards, we're seeing a film doing, you know, even more than one could ever have thought. So, yeah, for sure. Let's see. And again, that is, okay, Night Ronin. That might be true. That does not actually result in box office success. Again, why is this film doing well? This film is doing well for a plethora of reasons. But to say that it's because it's the most successful video game franchise of all time is just not based on reality. Because if success at in the video game franchise, or as a video game franchise, if that was the primary uh, determination, determining factor of a box, box office success, you would have seen a plethora of other video game films do significantly better than what they did. Pure and simple. So again, it's a bad metric. It's not a good metric to use. But again, going back to what has been said here, I think that what this film is going to do, though, is it's going to be a standard-setting film in its own right. It's amazing how, when I say things like that, that seems to go through people's ears. When I say the film's going to make a billion dollars, when I say these things... That goes through their ears because people are just so obsessed with having me admit that their flawed logic is somehow correct. Anyway, Harwick. David F. Sandberg says, posted a half-star, David F. Sandberg posted a half-star review of his own movie, Shazam Fear of the Gods on Letterboxd, presumably as a joke. That's pretty great. <laughs> Let's see. Thanatos Felicitas, pray that baby Thor stays away from uh, Barney. Oh, boy. Wow, that got a little weird. Harwick says, have you ever seen... Actually, wait, sorry. So you mean like watching it over and over again? Yeah, yeah, definitely not. Um, but when you say something like that out of context, there's a lot of things that could be implied. <laughs> anyway, Harwick says, have you ever seen Sean Patrick Flannery as Indiana Jones in the young Indiana Jones Chronicles? I have not seen that one, actually. I have not seen that. Um, but I definitely... Love him in Nefarious. I think his performance in the film is phenomenal. I think it's absolutely phenomenal. Let's see. Orange says, I know you are not a horror fan, but there was a trailer for the last... Boy yeah, I already talked about that a little bit. Yeah, I just... I have no interest in it, to be perfectly honest. Uh, Abomination, hanging out over on Odyssey, tagged to say, the only fair comparison is the live-action Mario movie from 93. That movie broke records in Japan, right? And again, that's not a good movie. And so I can understand why the film... I mean, that movie, it, for all intents and purposes, is not Mario. But I do think it is still something worth bringing up in the discussion because it is still an adaptation of the most successful video game franchise of all time. Again, no one's taking anything away from it being the most video game franchise of all time. All I'm saying is a fact, which is that video game sales do not give a one-to-one -one return in box office performance. 
And there is a plethora of film data to back that up. You don't have to like that. It's still true. We know what else is true. And again, you seem to be missing it. Airheads. This movie is a huge success. It's making hundreds of millions of dollars in profit. It's going to make well over a billion dollars. And it's going to be successful in pretty much any country it releases in. I don't know if they heard it still. I think, chat, those who are here all the time, do you think that they've heard that? Do you think it finally got through to them? I don't think it did. I don't think it did. But anyway. Uh, Hannibal Grimm. Fossey, 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 what's going on? Oh, uh, speaking, speaking of them. Uh, you are biased. Sonic 1 and 2 made money. Okay. Well, first off, please actually, you know, spell that out. I appreciate the super chat, brother. Um, but if you're going to try to say, you're biased, man. No. Sonic 1 and 2 were both not great films. They were both incredibly flawed. And yes, I never said that they were box office flops. So, one, where are you even coming from? And two, calm down, buddy. <laughs> calm down. Anyway, Dr. Martin. Enjoyed Mario, but it's nowhere near my top 20. The last week we watched How to Train Your Dragon movies, Despicable Me, Kung Fu Panda, and Shrek movies. Those all had better writing and stories. Um, How to Train Your Dragon, the first one, yeah. Uh, great film. Kung Fu Panda, the first one's fun. Uh, but I would definitely say story-wise, yeah, for sure. They are, again... A- <laughs> Oh, you're biased. No, you can break things down into objective categories and subjective categories. And even the biggest fans, even Jeremy, I think most of us would all agree, Jeremy from Kings of Gamers is one of the biggest fans of this movie. Even he says the story is not very good. I I, I don't know what else to use <laughs> as a great example uh, about how even the biggest fans of this film recognize the film's story is not all that great. They still love it. There's films that have bad stories that even I enjoy, just not this one. And it's okay, because it's making money. It's making a lot of money. And shouldn't that be the thing, if you love the film, that you should be most happy with? Harwick says, The actor playing Dracula in Last Voyage of the Demeter, Javier Botet, has... Marfan syndrome, which makes him six seven tall, six feet tall, six foot seven rather, and only 120 pounds and double jointed. Oh, okay, yeah, no, thank you. I don't want to watch that. No, no, thank you at all. Uh, let's see. Remember, Sonic One was the start of the pandemic-only movie that made money in 2020. Oh boy, KN, I don't think you have been watching my channel whatsoever because if you have been watching my channel, you would have known my coverage of that movie and again if we're talking about the pandemic you mean the film that came out before anything got shut down made money oh anyway general wingster your cope is real and you should enjoy your pineapple pizza i said it boys so where are my cookies <laughs> uh general wingster i love you man Christoph says yeah extended are the best hot take temple of doom is the best in agenda's movie oh no 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 Christoph. no uh, it's fun, but I, I again, I think if you're talking objectively, yes, objectively, if you're talking about objectively, you have to give it to Raiders of the Lost Ark. But for me, subjectively, it's going to be Last Crusade all day. Um, you might be. 
Yeah, so Orange Hat Reviews laying down the law. Please do not spam in the chat. There is no need. I read the chat. All that you I ask is that you tag at Odin. But if you spam the same thing over and over again, guess what? I got news for you. You're going to get timed out. We don't allow that kind of nonsense here. We, we run a fun family show. And we want the chat to be cleared of any nonsense. Uh, Lord Shaxx hanging out over on Rumble. Thanks for being here. says, a while ago, I saw the trailer for Nefarious. I thought that you'd love the film, but forgot to mention it. Luckily, another one of your viewers mentioned it, uh, mentioned it to you. Glad that glad to hear it's on your thumbs up list. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, um, Orange Hat, Marvelicious Goku is definitely spamming. So, Marvelicious Goku, this is your warning. I have no problem with people mentioning it, but if you're mentioning it over and over again, guess what, you know what that's called? That's called spam. It's called spam, brother. So, that's your warning. Don't do it again. So, uh, Lord Shaxa, thank you very much. Yeah, if you have not, I would say don't watch the trailer for Nefarious. It's better going in blind. I knew barely anything about the film. And when I did know about it, I was like, oh, really? It's that? I don't know. And I was blown away by it. I was blown away. It truly is phenomenal. Um, Let's see. Uh, Brightburn, I said Universal has Bond because overseas Bond is distributed by Universal, so I apologize. Ah, okay, gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, I mean, it is a tricky one. Even I sometimes will uh, mess up with that, right? Because people who distribute the film versus people who produce the film, yeah, it's not always uh, the same. Let's see, Abomination over on Odyssey says, I wonder what people would think if they compared Mario's full theatrical run, maybe $1.5 to Avatar's $2.3 billion, even though Mario is so much more popular. I think that's a fair, that's a fair point, Abomination, right? If we're going to talk about popularity, right, if we're going to talk about popularity, then you would have to say, okay, why then is this film not going to make as much as X or not make as much as X, right? Yeah, that's a fair shout. Fair shout. Uh, let's see. Jeffrey Murray, what's going on? Says, what's up from Slidell, Louisiana? Here to smash the like button. Thank you very much, Jeffrey. Home state of Louisiana. Appreciate you being here. Thanks for the support, brother. Hardwick says, Javier Rodet has been in many horror films. He played the leper in It, the crooked man in Conjuring 2, and the characters of Slenderman and Mom. Yeah, I've, and I, I think I only watched It, and I don't remember the leper. And I don't want to remember the leper, so please don't message me with images or videos. <laughs> Again, I'm, I'm glad that you are excited for this movie. I do not care for it. I do not want to see it. So, Kristoff, on Letterboxd, you didn't give a very high score to Phantom Menace or Revenge of the Sith. I thought all fans agreed prequels are great. Now, with trashy sequels, you gave score before sequels. Well, here's the thing. I've never been a prequel defender, all right? Jeremy can defend the prequels all he wants. I would rather try to base myself in reality. The first movie and second movie especially, they're not good, the prequels for Star Wars. They're not good films. The, the dialogue especially is garbage. Um, even the third one, though, Revenge of the Sith, it is the best of the prequels, but compared to the original trilogy, not even close. The acting is awful in many situations. The writing is terrible throughout all three films. Um, the, t- the first two, though, are clearly the worst, for sure. General Wingster... 
I'm surprised at you. Why, why, why would you even joke about, about that? You're better than that. Wingster, you're better than that, man. But anyway, it's because, yeah, the prequels are just not great films. The original trilogy, phenomenal. But the prequels, not so much. And again, I know Jeremy loves the prequels. He's a prequel defender, but that's it. Uh, let's see. Melissa Ferris. Pineapple pizza isn't that bad if it's done right, at least here in New Jersey. Well, what's going on, Melissa? Uh, well, again, here's the thing that people I don't think, I don't think they quite understand. I don't like pineapple. So it's not even that I don't like pineapple on pizza specifically or exclusively. I don't even like pineapple in a general sense. So that's the metrics that I'm going with. Oh, <laughs> uh, So it's not going to be good for me in any way because pineapple is on the pizza and I don't like pineapple. Um, but also keep this in mind. It's going to be on Friday Night Tights, which means it's going to be on a Friday. I'm meatless Fridays because I'm a traditional Catholic. And so that means that all I'm going to have is plain cheese pizza with pineapple on it because that that's pretty much all I can I can have. Um, now I will say a shout out to Gary because he I believe it was Gary mentioned the use of of ranch dressing, and I think the ranch dressing might be able to help me get through. Let's see, uh, Pupana, what's going on, Pupana? Welcome back, Rob D. Hello, Odin. Watched Black Widow and Miracle this week. Watching Bloodshot now. Rob D, what's going on? First off, why would you waste your time with Black Widow? It's awful. Uh, second, Miracle is fantastic. Very solid hockey film. Um, I believe that's the same film. I think that's the one that you're talking about. And then Bloodshot. Yeah, I never saw Bloodshot. I didn't really have a lot of uh, interest in it. Abomination. <laughs> what? How could you? How could anything be better than now? This is pod racing. Oh, don't get me wrong. I love the prequels in the worst way. I think that they are some of the funniest movies ever, and I love the memes. The memes, I think, save those movies from just being completely lost and obliterated in history. The memes are phenomenal. I can't tell you how many times I quote, I don't like sand. It's coarse, rough, irritating. It gets everywhere. I use that all the time. There is a great musical called Annie, A-N-I, the musical, which is all about Anakin Skywalker. And it's hilarious. There is a song that is a love song that uses... Real lines from the movie, all the quote-unquote pickup lines as the musical jokes that Anakin uses on Padme. And it's great. From the moment I first met you, I could barely breathe. Like, it's so good. It's so funny. Just watch that one song alone. But yeah, they're they're awful. <laughs> King Kane Rumsky, he finally is here on Rumble. He says, sorry for the delay. Landscaping had to be done today. Oh, no problem at all, King Game Rumsky. I was, I was concerned that the uh, stream wasn't going through. And you're, you're the one that helps me. <laughs> uh, Hannibal Grimm tagged to say, it's a simple story. Just as the source material they are tapping with, uh, with one hell of a launching point for them to do more in the future with the story. Oh, yeah, for sure. I guess here's, the th here's what I can point to, right? Yes, it's a simple story, but why is it that Bowser just became Jack Black. In all honesty, think about it. In the beginning, Bowser was coming across as what you would typically think of Bowser. Over the course of the film, though, you're like, okay, now Jack Black is just being Jack Black. Especially when you got to the song. Which, again, if you like the song, great. But you don't look at that and then say, wait a minute. This is nothing like the villain Bowser that we're typically used to. 
And again, obviously, that is a creative direction they decided to take. And mega fans like it. Kids like it. Sure. Vanath, let's see, says, It may be better to compare the 93 Mario domestic compared to what it got from the Japanese box office when comparing the same uh, from Super Mario Brothers. And again, I would say yes if the Super Mario Brothers film was not as garbage as it was. So... Hardwick tied to say, I find it interesting that Universal is releasing two unrelated Dracula films. I don't... Dra- Hardwick, 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 man. I don't... I know that you're excited. I know you're excited. I, I do not... I do not care about Dracula. I just don't. It's not my thing. Let's see. Christoph, on Letterboxd, you have a list called Blu-rays. Is it list of movies you recommend to own on Blu-ray or is the list of movies that you simply own? Yeah, um, I don't know why I've continued to have that list as a public list. I, I probably need to change that. Um, no one's ever du- no one's ever dug into my letterbox before, so I yeah I was I was trying to see if it would be a good if letterbox would be a good system to keep track of all my Blu-rays. It ended up not being nearly as good as I thought it was going to be. So uh, yeah, that's all that, that that's just a list of the Blu-rays that I have, and it's not even all of them because over time I got very <laughs> tired of it. Orange hat indeed. My comment question was the warning. We'll make adjustments next time to make... Oh, yeah. Orange hat. Yeah, next time, I would say probably just tag them. You are a lot more generous than, than I am. And I, I appreciate your generosity. Yeah, that was that, that was not a critique of you, good sir. It was a critique of the person. Uh, Zach Richmond. What's up, brother? Yeah. Born and raised in New Orleans, Louisiana. Born and raised. Sahil, I think this is actually a fair metric. Yeah, episode one is a three out of ten. Episode two, one out of ten. The third is five out of ten. Yeah, so you know, I would, I would probably say for me, the first one is, I, I do grades. So I think the first one, you know, Phantom Menace is a D. I think, and again, my letterbox reviews may not perfectly correspond to these, but. I just again, I don't think either of them are good films. Again, and I'm I'm trying to think objective scores here. I'm looking at D and an F for the first two. The third one is a C. Revenge of Revenge of the Sith is a C at best. Um and again, that's not terrible. And if you love the film, great. And as I said, I love the prequels as Alex McCarthy, of course, loves them. I love them too, just not for the reasons that you probably love them. Sahil, what's the greatest cinematic experience you've ever had? Oh, boy. Uh, it's hard to say. I got to see uh, The Hateful Eight in 35mm. Um, he was traveling that movie around. Um, so that was pretty cool to, to see that. And the film is phenomenal, too. The sound, of, of course, also was was great. Uh, because it was on 35mm, it meant that the sound was uh, analog. So that was really cool. And the score was beautiful, especially. Um, yeah, I'm trying to think about anything else. Uh, people may not like the film. Talk about simplistic stories. Gravity, uh, in IMAX, the cinematography for that film blew me away. It was gorgeous. As far as most recently, easily I have to go with my watching of Nefarious last night. I can't tell y'all how phenomenal the movie is. And again, I mentioned this in the review. It's not going to be a film that everyone's going to like necessarily, because not everyone is interested in a film uh, about, you know, two people who are essentially just talking to each other. But I think that the reason why the film 
needs support, right? Whether you like it or not, or, or rather whether you're even interested in it or not, there's a few things that I can say. So let me go ahead and pull this up. So this is actually from uh, Bounding to Comics. So a thought-provoking supernatural horror exercise in morality. I think that's one of the best ways to describe it. It's clear to me, and this is the reason why I think the film needs support. Not only is it a great film, not only is it thought-provoking, not only is it just, uh, just again, just phenomenal in so many different ways. It's hard to it's hard to quantify. I'm still kind of speechless by by the film, and I, I think ultimately though, the re- reason why it really needs everyone's support is because this film is being attacked in so many different ways. Now, whatever you believe about what is the source of the attacks is totally up to you and the individual person. But here's what we know, all right? The MPA, the organization that is in charge of giving films ratings, gave this movie an R rating. This film has no nudity, no language, doesn't even use the Lord's name in vain, come to think of it. And the moments of violence that are in it are incredibly tempered. Apparently, I was watching an interview with the creators of the film. They said that the reason why they were told the film got an R rating is because at one point in the film, one of the characters breaks their own finger. Now, all you actually see is them grab their finger and do a motion, and you hear a sound. And then they show you the finger, but not graphically. That is it. That, that's the most intense thing. Uh, again, talking here specifically about violence that's in the entirety of the movie. And they gave it an R rating. Clearly, they don't want people to see this movie. Because they know if they give a film, especially a film that Christians might actually be interested in going to see. If they give the film an R rating, they know it becomes that much more difficult to have the film out there. For people to go see the movie. This is a movie that I would actually send my... I would send my high school students to this movie. I would say, y'all should go see this. Y'all are always intrigued by Supernatural. You're always intrigued by Demonic... Hey, this is the film. If you want to have a film that's going to give you one of the best explanations of, of theological understanding of angels and demons, this is the best thing that's out there. If you want to have the most accurate portrayal of, of what possession is like, this is the best thing out there right now. And yet, wait, he's, he's sending us to an R-rated film? What's that? So they are clearly giving this film an R-rating because they don't want people to watch it. You then go into all of the, all of the stories that they have now been talking about as far as how long it took them to get this movie made. Because whether it was the unions trying to shut them down, whether it was COVID that... 99% of their entire production team like all got COVID within a week of each other when they were just about to start. There are so many other things too. It's clear that many things did not want this movie to be made. Whether it be people, whether it be political organizations, whatever it might be. Add to that, they chose the weekend they did, this past weekend, because no other film, no other major film had a release there. And then out of the blue, what happens? Pope's Exorcist, which is a Hollywoodized version of an exorcism, gets released. Same weekend, gets moved to the same release date. And a few other films also get moved to the same release date. 
So the film was originally supposed to be out, I think, in like 1,200 screens, ended up falling below 900 because they could not justify the original amount. The original amount was based off of no other films being available. It was the only new skin in town. And they limited its reach, these studios, by releasing their films and moving their films' release schedules to this weekend. Now, one could easily say, okay, well, it's probably because they saw no other films really coming out. They didn't think Nefarious was going to be much competition in general. Okay, I'll give you that to a certain extent. But to me, I think the one film especially that makes things a little bit too on the nose is that you have a film called The Pope's Exorcist (laughs) coming out the same week now as this movie, which deals also with exorcism. So, that's why this film needs your support. Because it got shafted in its initial release opening weekend because of these other studios putting their films out. It doesn't and hasn't made a whole lot at the box office at this point in time. And it won't. It's just not one of those movies. And also, any opportunity that it would have had to make even a little bit more money. I'm not saying that this film would have been a huge hit had it been allowed to release. Because, trust me, there are things in this movie that if if someone from the cultural quote-unquote left saw, they would immediately want to boycott this film. Because it talks about and touches on uncomfortable truths that we all know are true, that we all know are based in moral certainty, moral reality, but we choose to ignore. There's especially in a, a very powerful sequence dealing with one specific... I, I want to go into spoilers with this, but it's, again, too early in its release. Go... Watch this movie. I don't say that very often. You, y'all know I don't say that very often. I am the critic who is a cynic. That's something else I think a lot of people um, don't don't remember me always saying every single time. But when I get support behind a movie, I get support behind a movie. I remember, I remember when Elite Battle Angel came out. That's like the last film I can think of where I had this much support for it. Um, and I think this film is significantly better in many respects. And I think it's significantly more important too. And I never thought I would say that. You look at any stream from the past like two months of people mentioning this movie and I'm, I easily dismiss it. I'm like, ah, it doesn't seem like my thing. doesn't seem like, give it a chance though. But anyway, yeah, I tried to, again, I mentioned the breaking of the finger. That's, I don't think that's really spoiling much of anything. Again, that's not like a plot point or anything, but yeah, Lord Shax says they gave it an R rating because it's not made by the typical Hollywood left. Keep as many out as possible. So plain to see. Yeah. And again, I think there's uh, several other things that you could look to. King and Rumsky says, speaking of Dracula, is the new Blade movie on or off? Uh, everything that I've heard seems to indicate that it's just lost at this point. I think it was what last time we heard it was delayed indefinitely, but it's hard to say. Abomination tagged on honestly to say all the Nolan Batman movies and the Batman were PG-13. MPAA is such a joke. Well, first off, don't remember, don't forget they've changed their name. Now they're just the MPA. They used to be the MPAA. Now they're just the now they're just the MPA. <laughs> I know, right? If it wasn't confusing before. And, uh, oh yeah, I, I mean, you look to those movies, and you're like, okay, those had a lot more violence than this film does. There must be something about this movie that they don't want people to see. I wonder what it could be. Mike Jackson, what's going on, brother? 
at 8.01, so I'm about 14, behind, 14 minutes behind. I do believe that the Specialized Original Trilogy is the best of the Star Wars movies. Fact. Um, I also think Project 4K's version, shout out to uh, Hardwick, who got me onto those. I believe it was Hardwick who got me onto those. Shout out to good sir. Uh, yeah, both the Specialized and the Project 4K films are great. Uh, Vanessa says, can you add jalapenos to the pizza if you like... Uh, if you like those, it does make it better, in my opinion. I don't like those either. That's the thing. I don't like those. I don't like those. Everyone said that. Everyone said jalapenos or barbecue sauce or something like that. But again, I don't hate barbecue sauce, but it's not my favorite. I'd rather have ranch. Uh, ranch is like my my comfort sauce. Harvey says, I like Walmart Sam Choice brand Buffalo Ranch Chicken Pizza. Interesting. Brightburn, I think Tim Burton's Batman films have lousy stories, but I still enjoy them on a visual level over something like most of the DCEU, minus Wonder Woman 1 and Shazam. Haven't seen Fury of the Gods, and you shouldn't. It's not good. Uh, however, I actually will say, I think the Tim, ba- the Tim Burton Batman films have much better stories than m- the vast majority of DCEU. But again, DCEU has, has had a lot of problems for a long time. Hannibal Grimm, what is going on? Jonathan loved pod racing, says Hannibal Grimm. I saw clones when I was eight, and I somehow blocked it all out, says General Wingster. <laughs> Can't wonder why. And it reminded me of Dark Helmet. Oh, Dark Helmet. Cthulhu. Here are the latest from Disney with Lilo and Stitch casting Reese. Uh, sorry, casting Reese. They need to offer classes on how to destroy an iconic company in three easy steps. Oh, yeah, I have. I have. Um, I, I didn't make a video on it because, you know, I, I try. I really try to avoid those kinds of, of news stories. I know some people love that kind of stuff. But, and I used to cover that kind of stuff. But I just, again, I'm, I, I've. I've gone through a lot of changes ever since becoming a dad, especially. Um, and again, one of the things where it's like, I, I just love talking about box office numbers, doing the breakdowns and talking movies. It, it, those are my passions, you know, talking theology, uh, you know, politics here and there. But I, I try Yeah. I just, I don't know. I, I think it's also because I'm just so over it. It's like, yeah, of course they're doing that. Right. For those that may have missed it. So they cast a native Hawaiian girl to play the mom character in Lilo and Stitch. And people on Twitter had a hissy fit because she came across as too white. These are the same people who defended the casting of an African-American woman in the title role of Ariel from The Little Mermaid. Now, I've mentioned previously, I'm not as big and as... I'm not as critical as race swaps as some other people might be. I understand them. And I understand why you would be upset, for sure. But for instance, when people started talking about one of the live action, I think it was the Disney live action uh, Pinocchio film. People were freaking out because uh, the fairy godmother in the film or whatever it was, again, it's been a long time since I've seen it, was being played by a, uh, a black woman. I'm like, that doesn't really, I don't care about that. That, that, to me, is such a small thing in the grand scheme of things. And I think sometimes people go kind of overboard with it. But the hypocrisy, and I think this is what Cthulhu, I think, does a good job of, of kind of pointing out. The hypocrisy of them being critical of an actual, real-life, native Hawaiian woman, actually Hawaiian, being cast in a role of a Hawaiian woman is, quote-unquote, too white because she's too light-skinned. And yet they don't see how that's racist. They don't see how that's problematic. They're literally judging her based off the color of her skin. Which is why, again, I don't like doing it in in any direction. But I will say it's worth calling them out specifically because they are the same ones who 
had nothing but kind words to say about a redhead, pale white woman being recast as another race. Again, for me, it's all about, is the person the right person for the role? For one. Actually, that's, that's, that's for two. For one, why in the heck are you even making a live action Lilo and Stitch? Why in the world are we still making these live action films? Oh, because you think they make you money? Have you not learned anything from the last few years, Disney? People are tired of these films. Yes, you can point to some films that were able to make you a few bucks. But what have they done for you lately? Not a whole lot. That's where I start. Why are you even making these movies in the first place? And then second, I would say, okay, who are you casting? Are they the best person for the role or not? Add to that, in the case of Ariel, the actress being outspoken and calling out not... Again, that's where the problem needs to be focused on. Not in the initial casting. What I think. Let's see. Abomination says, They dropped the America in their name. Hmm. I wonder why they would do that, he sarcastically thought to himself. Yeah, I think it's the America they dropped. And it is like, hmm, I wonder why. And then they don't notice how they were programmed to be racist. Might even go so far as to call them brainwashed. Oh, they are. Absolutely. And I mean, so many of them, you tend to see, it's almost like you tend to see very similar diagnoses, right? You, you tend to see them also suffering from TDS as well, right? And I think there's absolutely a correlation between them. Because, yeah, it's, it's this hive mind mentality. It's in many ways like the Borg, right? Now, this is coming from someone who's not an expert on the Borg. I, I'm not watching Picard right now. I hear people are loving it. I've actually even, I've not watched all of the Next Generation. I've seen a handful of episodes here and there. My only real knowledge of the Borg is actually from the beginning of DS9. DS9 is the only Star Trek that I have any knowledge of whatsoever. And by the way, if in anything I've said previously, I accidentally said Star Wars, I apologize. It was not my intention to trigger anyone. I know that's a sensitive topic for some people, but especially when people misspeak. But Star Trek, my only knowledge of Star Trek is DS9. So the very beginning of it, you have uh, Borg Picard. And so that's really my, my main knowledge. But I understand at least the concept of the hive mind. But that's what these people are in many ways like. Over on Rumble, let's see. Over on Rumble. King and Rumsky says, I just saw a YouTube interview of an English priest, something like Waka, what's his last name, where he said he is not doing Novus Ordo masses. Oh, dang, yeah. Um, oh, wait, wait, wait. I think I know, I think you might know who you're talking about. Um, there's a, because there's a priest I just discovered too, who, who just released uh, a book last month, and he actually recently got kicked out of, he was in the priestly fraternity, he was in the FSSP, and then he got kicked out. Because this actually stems back from like the beginning of the pandemic. He was a priest who was basically saying no to his bishop. He was saying, uh, no, I'm still going to say mass. No, I'm still going to do this. So disobedience. Anyway. Let's see. Rob D at 804 says, I love how it took Warner Brothers until Monday night to report Shazam 2's numbers for this past weekend. Dropped about 1,800 theaters. Don't think it, he, I don't think it'll even hit it even hit $500,000. Oh, I mean, it's it's abysmal. It is absolutely abysmal what is going on right now with Shazam 2. Yeah, I mean, it got to... Oh, boy. Yeah, let me let me see. Oh, well, first off, Ant-Man and the Wasp. Is that 75 theaters? Oh, boy. 
and that one made $3,000. Shazam made $13,000. It's still at 412 screens. Oh my goodness. It's only, and it's only been out for 32 days. That is just completely abysmal. Its worldwide box office is $132 million. And the film costs $125 million. Remember, the studio pays more money than the production budget because of marketing cost. So 2.5 times the budget is typically the break-even. The film's only at 1.1 times the budget. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Gigantic flop. Orange Air Reviews, thank you very much for being a member for 33 months at the Army of Asgard level. Appreciate you, brother. Says, Odin, have you ever seen Universal Soldier with Jean-Claude Van Damme and Dolph Lundgren? Thoughts if you have. I've actually never seen Universal Soldier. I've heard of it. Um, the only actual knowledge I have is I believe there was a spinoff of Universal Soldiers featuring Bill Goldberg from the WWE, <laughs> WCW. That's, all, that's the only knowledge I have. But uh, Orange Hat, thanks for being a member for 33 months, brother. And uh, thanks for cashing in your, your free membership super chat. Hannibal Grimm, hey Odin Dracula, how dare you? Kristoff, by the way, I have my own YouTube channel where I review movies and shows. Can you offer tips for more subs? Only 112 so far. I had channel for 11 months. Um, all I can say is, uh, do you love doing what you're doing? If you love doing what you're doing, keep on doing it. If you are doing it just because you want to have a lot of subscribers or you want to have financial success or whatever it might be, if that's your primary motivation, I would, I would personally say you might want to stop. If you're doing it for fun, though, and you love doing it, keep on doing it, dude. Keep on doing it. Uh, because if, if you have passion and you are continuing to try to build over time, it, it's going to grow. I, I think one of the big things that helped me was, was, was uh, oh, what's the word for it? Not marketing. Um, oh my goodness, what is it called? Networking. Networking is huge. Right, so forming relationships with other YouTubers, um, and, and I know for me, I remember where I was posting videos and I was tagging Jeremy for using gamers and doing all, and it was through networking that I was finally like Jeremy finally watched one of my videos, and that's what allowed me to do box office breakdowns on that channel. Now for can't believe it's I've been I'm coming up on my five year anniversary on YouTube, which is insane. I think I've been with Geeks and Gamers for roughly four years. Four out of the five years. Um, and again, it, it took a long time before uh, that eventually happened and all worked out in that way. And it's not always going to work out that way for everybody. Um, so, but I would say the biggest thing, if you love doing what you're doing, that is the reason to keep on doing it. Because I can tell you this much. I do this because it's fun. Simple as that. That's why I have, you know, some people might say like, oh yeah, he times out people who are spamming, blah, 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 blah. It's like, you should just take, it's like, I do this because it's fun. So if someone's going to try to come in and make it not fun, I've got no time for that. I do this because it's fun. I don't do this as a full-time job. I don't do this as a primary source of income. In fact, anything I make from this channel, most of it goes right back into this channel. Most of the money goes into giveaways, in fact, right, that I give to my supporters, right? My Keeper of the Bifrost level people and above, I try to make sure that each person wins at least one thing every single month. And I try to make sure that at least one of those things is a Blu-ray 4K steelbook. Um, that's where a vast majority of it goes. Um, other, other things will go to either like subscriptions to go and watch things and review things and talk about things. So all of it goes back in, right? It's, it's basically a self-sustaining hobby. 
is what it is. Um, but yeah, hopefully that makes sense. Hopefully that's helpful. Gary Banjo Sandwich, bedtime Mando finale tomorrow. Eek. Oh boy. I know everyone's just so excited for that Mando finale. I think he's going to die. I really do. <laughs> Harvick says, did you hear the latest episode of Mandalorian snuck in an F-bomb? No, I didn't. Um, but I already care so little about that franchise. I still don't. Uh, let's see. Marvelicious Goku. What's your favorite game console? Uh, the Switch in general. But I will say my favorite one's actually not even a, a primary uh, console. I recently got a Retroid Pocket 2 Plus, and it allows you to play various ROMs. And I've been playing a lot of like old school Game Boy, a lot of Pokemon, and it's been great. And it's a great system, great battery, like just so many great things with it. So yeah, I, I would say I love the Switch. I, I love its portability. I love its game. Here's the thing, though. I'm not really a console guy as far as, like, I don't have dedication. I tend to like individual games. So Breath of the Wild, I loved. Uh, Hardworks Legacy on PS5, loved it. Spider-Man on PS4, loved it. But I don't buy every single release. I don't play every single game that ever gets released. So I say the Switch because that's the one I probably play the most often. Um, other than recently when I got the, the Retroid Pocket 2, which is so much fun. I got it on sale. Zach Richmond, I caught Lord of the Rings Return of the King in theaters last week for the 25th anniversary. Bro, when I went to go see a film, which was not that last week, the theater was packed because of it. It was almost sold out, actually. It was incredible seeing it on the big screen again. Practical effects hold up, but the CGI could use a remaster. I honestly don't think they're going to ever be able to fix the uh, the the CGI, unfortunately. Um, a lot of the CGI is, is unfortunately just going to be stuck where it is. Um, but anyway, Mike Jackson... Cinematic experience had to beat Jaws, hard to beat Jaws 3D opening weekend with my crush wearing those red and blue lens cardboard glasses. We were talking about horrific experiences, right? Oh boy. <laughs> Christoph, we said about prequels. I noticed Jeremy and Josiah Rises, this reviews mostly revolve around whether something is woke or not. You look at everything in depth, wokeness included. Yeah, I, I try to, right? And again, I'm not perfect either, I, but I do try to uh, look at things as objective as I possibly can. All right, we're almost at 8.30. So smash the like button, light the fire button, and honestly, smash the rumble button as well. Uh, let me see. Abomination says, they couldn't get more people to taste the rainbow. <laughs> Talking about Shazam. Ah, love it. I understood that reference. <laughs> oh, man. That was such a cringe moment in that movie. Little girl telling the unicorn to taste the rainbow. I've never seen product placement in a modern film so egregious. <laughs> Jonah Wingster, I'm going to go play some GoldenEye. Ooh, good one. Love me some GoldenEye. Uh, Harwick says the NBA gave Dark City an R rating because they thought it was too weird. So the director made some reshoots to add in some R-rated material since they got the rating anyway. And yeah, and that's why I appreciate Nefarious so much because they didn't... Yeah, I, I know that you were just saying that as an antidote, um, but... I think that that is something that is to be commended for what we what we saw, right? Is to be commended for what we saw in the in the film Nefarious, because yeah, they didn't have them, they didn't have any R-rated material, and they didn't feel the need to go in after the fact either. It's a film that you can go with with your family. It's not a family movie by any means, right? Because people hear the word "oh, psychiatrist talking with a guy claiming he's possessed." 
okay. Yeah, not not really a family-friendly uh, experience. But what I can say is, guess what? You would have a better... I, I think it's, it's safer to bring your child to that movie than the vast majority of things that get released by modern Hollywood. And Fedegator, that's a great point. Yeah, the trailers before the movie had worse things. Because, because it got an R rating, it meant they were playing... And I would be actually interested. I don't think the studios typically have a say in what films, uh, what trailers play before. But oh my goodness, whoever made the decision on what films played before, what, what trailers played before Nefarious, it's like downright evil. Like there are there are trailers that have F-bombs because of the red band trailers. Because for R-rated films, you, you're allowed to have red band trailers. So I don't know if it's just like studios get to choose whether they have their films play or not, or if they have to vie for it. I don't know how that works, to be honest. But oh goodness, yeah. The trailers have worse than the movie. That's bad. That That's when you know how bad and how corrupt the MPA is. When the trailers before the movie you gave an R rating to have worse language, worse visuals, because there's also, a, there was like one or two that uh, showed a lot of graphic violence too. It's awful. Oh, it's awful. And in fact, I would say, if you're going to see Nefarious, you may actually want to show up 20 minutes late. So that way you don't watch those trailers. Because that's the other thing, too, is that I could see someone finding out about this movie going in, whether they be Christian or, you know, have a proper understanding of uh, spiritual elements or maybe they, they're like, quote unquote, conservative, libertarian, whatever it might be. I think there's a lot of different things that can appeal to a lot of different personalities. But I can see a lot of people going in, especially Christians, and being very offended by the trailers before the movie's even started because the movie has nothing offensive in it. It's ridiculous. King and Rumsky says Hollywood needs a exorcism. Yes. Fact. Absolutely. Laura says just Googled Nicholas Holt to see what else he has done. I had no idea he was the main war boy in Mad Max. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. What a day. What a lovely day. He's great. Fifth General Kennedy Lee, what's going on? Uh, common nerd. I saw this. Uh, and I saw that, I think it was Laura had mentioned it, so, but I did see it. So, I had one of the actor stuntmen on my show last week. He said they had a priest on hand for the entire time. Some of, some of John Can's stories from the set were wild. Glad you looked. Oh, I did love it, man. And, um, that's awesome that you were able to talk to him. Yeah, and that's what's interesting. I heard that they had a priest, an exorcist, that was on set with them. And then I wondered, wait, why didn't they just have the priest play the priest? Because that was actually a part where I was like, oh, they just said that there's a priest. They just called them father. What? How are they going to portray this? And man, talk about your typical Novus Ordo. Uh, <laughs> I hate to say it that way. Oh, Comics Division 7-foot doppelganger. I predict you will become an atheist after this. Oh, sure. Hardwick, did you know that the Hyperions is also rated R? I haven't seen it yet, to be honest. Uh, Michael Hill, the more I think about Nefarious, the more I like it. It's fantastic. Oh, yeah, it's a film that makes you think and think and think and think. And every time you do, it's phenomenal. Uh, Alex McCarthy, is Nefarious as good as R.I.P.D.? Okay, R.I.P.D. is garbage, Alex. Stop trying to make it fetch. Fetch is never going to happen, Alex. It's never going to be good. Nefarious, however, is good, and it's phenomenal. Super says, hey oh, sorry I'm late. Today's discount day at my local theater, so I went to see John Wick 4. I hope you enjoyed it. Mike Jackson, well, of course, we need a live-action Lilo and Stitch with all those alien actors needing work. Hardwick, the one Disney remake I'm fond of is Brana's Cinderella. Oh, yeah, for sure. Because here's the thing. It says it drew uh, heavily on multiple versions of the fairy tale rather than just rehashing. But that's the thing. I think it took the least risks. That's why it was so good. It took the least risks with the source material, and it was great with it. Hannibal Grimm, I'm going to tell my kids, Johnny Five is the Borg. 
25 is alive. Hannibal Grimm, you never saw Universal Soldier. How dare me? How dare you? Good day, sir. Oscar the Goldberg one is a sequel, not a spinoff, to The Great Universal Soldier. The final two were trash. Hardwick, have you seen Jack Reacher 2012? Yes, I, I thought the first Jack Reacher was phenomenal. Tom Cruise is in it. It's great. It's a lot of fun. The sequel sucked. Uh, the Reacher show is great. Christoph, thanks for the tips. I love what I'm doing. I will continue reviewing movies. Good night. It's actually 2.30. Oh, yeah. Go to bed. Well, we're, we're wrapping things up here. Kimberly G, thank you for being here. Uh, Dace said they had no say in what trailers were shown, that it was just another attack by the spirit of this age to get people to watch. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Because I can see those trailers resulting in some people going because they heard about the theological richness of this movie and then just walking out of it. Yeah, I think I think it is just whether you think it's evil incarnate or whether you just think it's the evil that exists within modern day Hollywood and the entire Hollywood structure, evil has impacted the release of this movie. And it comes down even to the very rating of the film as an R-rated film. When the trailers before an R-rated movie are a thousand times worse than the movie itself, you know there's a problem. King and Rumsky, is Nefarious as good as The Exorcist? I personally don't like The Exorcist, not as a movie, but I, I it's... It, the, the Exorcist is disturbing, <laughs> and I don't like that. This movie is not. It, it, it will disturb you in a way where you won't have nightmares, necessarily, because they don't, they don't rely on that cheap imagery, on the Hollywoodized stuff, right? There's no demon face. There's no uh, creepy, you know, jump scare stuff. Like, there's a couple of jump scares, but it's not, a, it's not the typical, you know, demonic fare. Instead, it's here's what actual diabolical influence looks like. And they show that through a conversation. Think if you've ever seen or ever read, uh, especially the screw tape letters, which apparently from what others have said, the original uh, Steve Dace book is inspired by the screw tape letters. Look at the screw tape letters. That is basically what this is. It's a conversation between two people for the vast majority of it. And it's brilliant, theologically rich, uh, but culturally, I think it was a culturally rich as well. But there's no denying the theological element. Hannibal Graham, sounds like they played Evil Dead Rises. Oh, yes. Uh, they didn't play Sisu. But Evil Dead Rises, they played the red band Evil Dead Rises, which is a lot more graphic, violence-wise, than anything shown in Nefarious. It's, it was disgusting to see what they did. Especially in like hindsight, looking back at, and, and remembering, like looking to those, in, looking to those interviews and everything like that. It's, it's insane. So anyway, uh, with all that being said, we'll go ahead and wrap things up there. So thank you all, all very much for watching tonight. Tonight was a fun one, as, as is usual. So the big takeaways, of course, is that Super Mario Brothers is doing phenomenally well. So well, in fact, that even the professional box office uh, predictors can't keep track of it. You know, I always like to make fun of them. But hey, I can't even keep track of it. None of us can keep track of it. And that's the reason why I think this film is going to end up doing... I don't think any of us know what this film is going to do. This film has become so unpredictable. Um, these predictions have become so volatile that if you were... To, if, if this film were to make 5000 If this film were to make $500 million in Japan, I would both be surprised and not be surprised. I don't think it's going to do that. Again, I have, I have only movie history to look to to try to figure out what the film's going to make. And for me, the combination of Japan and South Korea, based off of historical standards, this film should give about $200 million from both combined. That all being said, if this film ends up making a lot more than $200 million, it wouldn't surprise me. Now, 
Like, especially with the numbers that we're seeing. I don't think anyone, people can say, oh, I knew this film was going to do well. I knew this film was going to be great. No one knew it was going to be this successful. No one knew it was going to be doing this well. And if you say that you did, I'm sorry, you're lying. I can at least admit I was wrong in my projections. I was wrong in my predictions. There were things I clearly didn't account for. I was wrong. That doesn't mean that you're right on every single instance. That's all I say. Laura, I love it. It's a race. It's a race. I'm winning. My wife and I finally watched Rat Race. I'll end on that note. Uh, we watched Rat Race, and she thought it was funny, but she also was like, I never knew, I never want to watch that again. And I was like, no, my heart is broken. She, she doesn't like all kinds of humor. So for her, the sequence with Wayne Knight and him, uh, I just have to call him Mr. Bean, with him and Mr. Bean and the heart, she hated that because she was like, all she could think of was, oh, but someone really would have needed that heart. I'm like, it's not real, honey. It's not real. Doesn't matter. She does not like that kind of uh, humor. I loved it. I thought it was great. I, I That's a movie I would rewatch again <laughs> because it's just so funny. Uh, anyway, with all that being said, it is well past the end of the show. And uh, I need some ice cream because I am exhausted. Anyway, you guys are all amazing, and beautiful people, smash the like button, light the fire button, Aussie, smash the rumble button as well. Continue to have a blessed Easter season. Easter season. Go see Nefarious. It's clear that I think forces both of the world and beyond the world are trying to stop it from being seen. Whether you think that's crazy or whether you think that's reasonable, up to you. Regardless, I think you should go see it. I think you should go see Nefarious and support it for no other reason than the fact that it's clear that at least Hollywood executives and Hollywood types are trying to stop people from going to watch it and going to see it. So if it's playing near you, and again, right now it's just in the States, hopefully my big hope is that not only do they get a digital release so that way we can eat more easily support the film, but I really hope they get a physical media release because this is a movie I would love to buy again. The Barbie Museum! I had forgotten about that sequence completely. I, again, I knew, I remembered what happens after the fact once they get Hitler's car, but the Barbie Museum part, I had forgotten, and it was so good. <laughs> oh, such a good film, Rat, Rat Race. But seriously, though, go see Nefarious. It's phenomenal. Anyway, you guys are all amazing and beautiful people. Hope you all have a wonderful rest of your evening. Great rest of your week. I'll see you all on Friday Night Tights. And then I believe we have the Chosen of Valhalla stream this weekend. I think it's this weekend. So this weekend or next weekend, I'll have to check my calendar. But anyway, stay tuned for that as well. Anyway, have a wonderful day, everybody. And as always, God bless. And now for a huge special shout out to all of my Patreon, Subscribestar, and Locals members who are at the Keeper of the Bifrost level and above. Starting off with Patreon with Father Luca Illick, Garrett Searles, Joe Horn, Jonathan Carney, Orange Hat Reviews, who can check out over at his YouTube channel by the same name, Laura, the Modern Major General Story, Rosetta Allen, who you can check out at her YouTube channel at Eagle Writer, and Miss Modern Muses, who you can check out at her YouTube channel by the same name as well. To my Subscribestar people, we got Matt317, check him out 
out on his Twitch channel by the same name, Fast Reaction, The R, Mr. Roy, J-Rod, The Beer Guru, and The K-Man. And you can check out The K-Man over at xtheboundaries.co. And lastly, to my Locals members, Miss Minnesota Hockey Fan, How About a Hockey Player, J.H. Schwalbach, Brett D90, and the amazing lawyer, Robert Barnes. If you want your name shout out at the end of every video and live stream, check out the top link in the video description below to join the Keeper of the Bifrost level. You also get access to other things like a podcast that I do every month with John the Flick Big Flickinger, and also I do giveaways for my Keeper of the Bifrost level people and above, and also my Chosen of Valhalla monthly stream. If any of that stuff sounds interesting, especially those giveaways, which I do give away 4K steelbooks, all kinds of stuff all month long, check out that top link. You're all amazing, and beautiful people, hope you all have a wonderful rest of your day, a blessed Easter, and as always, God bless.